0: long ball, is going to go for a touchdown, the game's over! What's this winner?
1: Metcalf will go for the score! Unbelievable! 45-40, run William, run! He's got blockers in front, five, touchdown! Joshua Cribbs turns disaster into a score!
2: Sight wants it all on
1: this one for Logan, and he is there!
2: Get round with a 30!
1: The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Wow. It is Baker Mayfield. I woke up feeling
0: dangerous. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of 1085 Green Iron. I am your host, Anthony Njoki. Uh It's been a very, very busy day at Browns uh, Twitter. A uh, very eventful day. Uh, a lot of rumors swirling around. Uh, that's why we have uh, Jared Mueller of the OBR coming on to talk with us here in a few minutes. But obviously, I can't do so on my own. Uh, I have my co-host, Jack McCurry of North Coast Sports.
2: How are you doing today, Jack? I'm good. We're at a level two on the DEFCON meter, right? Yes. Yes, we are.
0: <laughs> um, for those that haven't seen it yet, um, we have created... A DEFCON meter over on our Twitter account, at 1085GridironsaWeek, so be sure to follow that. Uh, we have five different levels uh, that follows the traditional DEFCON system, and you know each level kind of increases awareness of, of what's going on uh, with the Browns, and we're going to be continuously updating that throughout uh, free agency, uh, even before free agency. Right now we're sitting at a level two, like Jack mentioned. Um, which is kind of, on, we're on high alert uh, at the moment, and uh, Jared will be on here in a few seconds to tell us why. Um, so be sure to check out that over on a Twitter account at Five 85 Gridiron. Um, you know, I, it was just kind of one of those spur-of-the-moment things uh, yesterday. I was sitting there uh, when some of this talk started, and I'm like, You know, I should create kind of a a meter about how crazy we're going to go. and uh, It's kind of taken off and it's increased our engagement quite a bit, so we appreciate you guys for uh, enjoying it and whatnot. Um, Jack, uh, with all the information that uh, Jared gave us in in the interview that's coming up here, what was your uh, biggest takeaway from it?
2: I'll just uh, hear the insight on the Odell Beckham rumors. And then, of course, he talked about Duke Johnson and uh, Jamie Collins, what what to expect in free agency in the draft as well. So a lot of great insight by Jared, as always. And, uh, you know, he's one of the best that doesn't get enough credit. But, uh, you know, when you listen to this episode, hopefully people start to notice that Jared Mueller is one of the best Browns insiders out there.
0: Absolutely, and if you haven't subscribed to the OBR, you should definitely do that immediately because you do not want to miss all that information uh, that Jared's putting out there for you. All right, uh, we'll be right back with our interview with Jared Mueller of the OBR. Uh,
2: Joining us now on the 1085 Gridiron Podcast is Jared Mueller of the Orange and Brown Report. Jared, how's it going, man? Good, man. Just enjoying this uh,
1: crazy day of Twitter. What would we what would we do without social media to keep us busy? Would we actually, you know, be productive in life?
2: I think we would be. I mean, you know, social media has been a crazy thing for the last decade or so. And, you know, it seems like Brown's Twitter is one of those things. Like, when we're old men, we're going to look back and be like, what the hell were we doing with our lives at that point? Yeah, but you know how many friends, even if we've never met each other, we're going to have? <laughs> Right. I mean, I can, I mean, me and Anthony have never met. I think that's a lot one thing. A yeah. lot of people don't know. We've never met face to face. Uh, we hope to do that at some point in the future, but I've met some good people on Twitter and there's some people I don't want to meet or wish I had never met, but you know, it social media is just a crazy thing. And like I said, the Browns, it, it just makes it more fun. And if it continues and we win, it's even going to be funner. Yep. Absolutely. Well, have you come on at the perfect time? We are sitting here one week away from NFL free agency, and the big topic, of course, on social media is now has become apparent and public: the Odell Beckham trade rumors. Um, you know, it's it started off yesterday with some of these players, uh, Randall, Najoku, Landry, tweeting things. R- Randall saying, uh, "John Dorsey's a low-key genius," and. You know, it escalated from there. Dustin Fox tweeted uh, the eyes emoji, and it all just spiraled out of control. I mean, Jared, you know, you have an insight on what's going on with the whole Beckham stuff. So I'm going to give you the floor, and you could tell people what you know based on the talk so far.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, prior to the combine, there was uh, some information that was provided to me. Um that I uh, you know just to be honest i have shared lately with the OBR subscribers, but what was interesting is I just didn't believe the rumors um I didn't believe the information that I was being provided and then coming out of the combine, uh, that information was confirmed by multiple sources and so since then it's just been um really it's interesting to watch um what's been going on uh with rumors and reports and and everything from there. So I made a report last night. Follow that up um, today a few times with some detailed information. But what it looks like is that the Browns and the Giants have been discussing uh, trades that um, would look really, really interesting for the Browns. And so what I will say is most of the time when people look at a big-time trade, uh, their natural thoughts are, okay, the Browns are getting OBJ and they're going to give up a first, two seconds, and a fourth. You know, we, we, they automatically go right into – Um, what the draft pick kind of consideration is. But as we've seen on Twitter, uh, there's a lot of rumors out there that are are revolving around players like Kevin Zeitler, Emmanuel Agba, uh, you know, a lot of different um, types of players as opposed to picks. Not that picks uh, probably wouldn't be involved, but I think that creates a really interesting phenomenon for the Browns where um, maybe they're treadmilling talent, replacing one talent with another, like Kevin Zeitler getting replaced by Austin Corbett. Uh, or getting rid of Emmanuel Ogba and signing Justin Houston or trading for D Ford or any um, number of edge kind of players um, while also keeping that first-round pick. And so um, it could be interesting to see how John Dorsey values players that he didn't sign and he didn't draft. Uh, So a player like Emmanuel Ogba is up for a pretty large contract extension. uh, After this year, he'll need a new contract is he someone that the Browns are willing to pay 10, 13, 15 million dollars a year cuz that's what you have to pay an edge player who is just even kind of decent but still young if not would they try to get rid of him this year and if you can get if you're going to get rid of him getting Odell Beckham Jr as a part of that trade kind of makes sense so there's just a lot of noise out there um, a, you know and it started with the players um, and so you know that makes you feel like something is real People like Dustin Fox, Matt Miller, Andrew Hawkins, um, all of them have come out and said something's going on in Cleveland. And then I can tell you that in my DMs, many people are, are providing extra information about where that deal probably is. Um, seems closer than not. And something I posted, uh, and I'll say here, I believe the deal is either done or dead. I don't think there's a middle ground based on all of the information that's out at this point in time, uh, specifically when you start with the players. So um, I think we're either going to see this deal um, put together and everybody believes it's done sometime tomorrow morning or sometime tomorrow afternoon. We'll find out that that deal is dead and that the Browns and Giants aren't talking. But I think that's where we're at with this kind of whole process after Dorsey and Gettleman got to talk this weekend or this week uh, at the Combine.
0: I think it's very interesting from the Giants' perspective when you look at including some of those players in the trade, because I think in New York it's very hard to sell that fan base on a total rebuild, and I think that they could sell uh, their fans on an Odell trade if they're getting, you know, like you said, an Ogbon returned, uh, uh, you know, other players in return and draft picks as well. So they could say this, it's not a total rebuild uh, that we're going after, but it's more of a kind of a a retooling certain aspects of of the roster uh, while giving up one of our our major pieces and, you know, gaining
1: uh, draft capital in the future. Absolutely. And I think um, it's actually something Bob Evans, uh, our editor um, on the OBR, him and I were just talking. uh, And if you look at it, no matter what the Browns give up, if they get Zeitler and Ogba and another player and and a a nice pick, whatever that is, or nice picks, and then deal that Browns pick or – uh, maybe the Giants' second-round pick because they got something from the Browns that's good for Josh Rosen. And then they used the number six pick on DK Metcalf. So all of a sudden, you basically have turned Odell Beckham Jr. and maybe, you know, basically Odell Beckham Jr. into Ogba, Zeitler, uh, Josh Rosen, and maybe another pick or player. And that allows you then to draft DK Metcalf. And all of a sudden, you're looking at Rosen, Barkley, Metcalf, an o- a good offensive lineman, and at least an added defender or two or an, and another pick. And all of a sudden, the Giants' future seems to have a higher ceiling. Whether they like Rosen or not is a different discussion, but I think that's highly likely that they would be willing to make that kind of move and turn their prized possession uh, with OBJ into multiple players that can really start to, again, like you said, that, that revamped Giants team all of a sudden is a year or two away from
2: the playoffs instead of four or five or six Jared when you look at it from the Brown side of things it, how aggressive is John Dorsey being when he when you hear he's going after a player like Odell Beckham when granted the Browns don't essentially need him although i mean i would say they need to upgrade at receiver just a little bit but the fact that he's going after such a highly touted player like odell beckham
1: you know john dorsey is gonna push his chips to the middle of the table this this year next year um and as anybody else has said the reality is is the nfl is probably looking at um not having football after the next two seasons for at least probably a year or probably around a year. So John Dorsey has a two-year window to try to win a championship. While that's not a mindset a lot of fans can even comprehend or media can comprehend, that is a mindset that John Dorsey is working off of uh, because if you kind of work off that two-year plan, blow everything, you still have Baker Mayfield for another hopefully 8 to 10 to 12, 15 years or whatever after that time. And so what I understand from John Dorsey is – No stone left unturned. Uh, The example I'm currently kind of using as a reference point is, remember that Phil Savage draft where he traded for Corey Williams and Sean Rogers uh, and already had traded a number one pick for Brady Quinn? Yeah, Bo Bell was one of the greatest top draft choices of any franchise ever there in the fourth round. And I think John Dorsey is going to put that kind of aggressiveness uh, out there this year to do a lot of different moves. I think he's going to try to trade away draft picks for players um, that kind of have a high upside. I think he's going to be tempted by what happened with Greg Robinson and Brashard Perryman because, Ooh, look, we took these busts and we made them great. So, you know, you kind of like when you gamble, you kind of get excited when things work, all of a sudden you want to do it over and over again. Cause you think it's going to work. So I think you're just going to see a lot from John Dorsey where moves are made. I mean, we know last year, I don't know what it was, it 12 moves in within like 48 hours. I think you're going to see a lot of moves, um, and I'm, I think you're going to see them quickly.
0: I think that's how you do uh, those moves last year. That the... Is,
2: are you talking in sense of free agency? Are you talking in sense of trades or a mixture? Do you think he's going to be very aggressive on all fronts at this point?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think he'll be aggressive on all fronts. I don't see um, him sitting back in any any way, shape, or form. Um, I know his calendar was booked at the combine to make sure he had a lot of conversations about a lot of players. Um, but you're not gonna not all of those moves are gonna be big. You might only see one or two kind of big moves. But one of the things that John Dorsey believes for this year, and no one's gonna really see it as a big deal, is that special teams is gonna be important. And so that second wave of linebackers is as important as that first wave of linebackers. And that defensive backfield, those guys who can run really fast and to make tackles, they can be really important on special teams. So I think you're going to see Dorsey trading away picks, signing players. Um, but again, not all of them have to be huge to have a huge impact. And so, um, again, one of the things I'm, we're always kind of pounding is we all, it's all about game. It's not always about name. And we found that with Terrence Mitchell last year. I think I probably said I thought he should be cut uh, as soon as he got signed to that uh, contract. And he, John Dorsey proved me wrong, uh, which is not surprising, um, because I had no idea really who Terrence Mitchell was uh, at that point in time. So um, just the reality of, of knowing the game, and John Dorsey knows it. So you're going to see a lot of moves, I think, both trades, free agency, and everything else.
0: If you had to uh, make an educated guess, and and really that's all we're doing, you
1: know, this far out from
0: uh, the draft and whatnot, um, would you say that they'll make over or under uh, five selections in the draft? Do you think five of those draft picks will be gone by the time we get to the draft? Because, you know, you you mentioned kind of wheeling and dealing, and I I think, uh, you know, with with different trades and, and whatnot, some of those selections will go away. So do you think by the time we get to the draft that we'll have
1: half of the picks uh, that we have now? I think that's probably about the right number. So if we assume an Odo Beckham trade uh, pops off, so that's probably two picks uh, depending if they're this year or next year. Uh, There's probably at least two other trades that happen um, that are, that have some interest with decent picks. So yeah, I'd say you're probably looking at five or six picks at this point in time. Um, I don't think he's going to go backwards, so trading a fifth this year for a fourth next year. Uh, but I think probably five or six is about right. And since we're on and we want to at least, uh, you know, continue with this whole uh, Twitter thing, LeBron James just tweeted this nice thing that says, can't even front. This is going to be unreal. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Wow, man. And we have no idea what it's about, but let's just pretend like he heard about the Odell Beckham trade. Um, so let's just go with that one right now and say LeBron James is reporting Odell Beckham's going to be traded.
0: It's funny because while uh, you were talking a little bit ago, I that to Jack Jack, like, hey, Jack, look at this. Uh, Jack had a nice response for that one, though.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I know Cleveland, half of Cleveland hates LeBron, but tonight he's likely going to pass MJ on the scoring list. So I think that's what he's talking about, but Jared could be right. He might've heard about the Beckham trade. He has friends with Beckham. So that could be, you know, he got, he has some insight on it. So that'd be very interesting to see if LeBron <laughs> broke the story. <laughs> you, you mean LeBron scoring more than Michael Jordan's a big deal. What? Just a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, We'll transition to some other Browns news now, Jared. uh, I think the next biggest story outside of the Odell Beckham talk has been the Duke Johnson talk. Um, You know, I'm a proponent of why are we trading Duke Johnson when we don't even know the future of Kareem Hunt at this point? But uh, there is talk about, you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys are being interested. Uh, Do you think duke's gonna be here by the time let's say training camp rolls around or do you think that he is in jeopardy of not being on this team very much longer
1: you know i think it's just if we're being really honest there's a lot of smoke there that doesn't make sense to all of us who watch the game but it somehow makes sense to uh the browns and so you know Mike Pettin's offense didn't do a great job of getting Duke involved. Hugh Jackson is Hugh Jackson. But then we look at Freddie Kitchens, and Freddie Kitchens really struggled getting Duke involved as well. So while all of us really think that Duke Johnson could be more, should do more, should get the ball more, there have been three different regimes, quote-unquote, who really struggled to get him involved. And so while we enjoy Duke and while we all see kind of an upside for him, Teams just haven't, the Browns just haven't been able to use him in a way that fulfills what all of us who, whether it's analysts, fans, doesn't matter, well, all of us think Duke Johnson can be great. But three different regimes have really struggled to make him actually great. So, does that, whether that means making him a full time wide receiver, while he seems small, he weighs enough that he could be, you know, the every down kind of back player, it just hasn't happened for him. What I wonder about is whether they're going to sell low uh, because Dorsey did sign him to that extension last off season. So Dorsey does have, you know, some skin in that game that I'd be surprised if he's just going to sell low because he wasn't the guy who drafted him. I just don't get it. You know, I don't get why Duke Johnson hasn't been able to be a bigger part of the, the Browns offense over the years. He's been here. I don't understand why he signed that a contract extension, which is highly under market for what most of us think he is. And I don't get trading him especially because with running backs and everything we know about them, they're probably not going to get much for him. I'd be shocked if straight up they got maybe a fourth-round pick for him, Um, maybe a player who other teams are just kind of giving up on, uh, something like that. So unless he's um, a part of a bigger deal, I just don't understand why you move on from a player, especially when most people believe at this point in time Kareem Hunt is going to be suspended for about 10 games, that might get reduced to eight. But if you're talking about half the season and you plan to compete, um, I don't know if Hilliard is going to be good enough as a backup for half of a season uh, that that whatever you're going to get for Duke Johnson is going to work, is going to be enough, is going to be worth it, uh, especially that he's not getting paid that much. And you still have almost $100 million in salary cap space.
0: Do you think it's a case with Duke Johnson to where he needs to go to a team where he could be – the feature back uh, where he, he finds a spot, you know, maybe say like Kansas city uh, where, you know, they're, they're looking for a running back and they can utilize him to his full potential in a, a various amount of ways.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things about running backs that's really interesting is um, they need touches, you know, they're not, they're not the type of uh, position where, you know, they're going to make generally a huge impact on four or five, six touches especially those kind of bell cow backs or backs who can kind of be a three down back, they really need, you know, their 15, 16, 18, 22 touches to really kind of get going, to wear down defenses, to get a rhythm, to get a feel for their blockers and how their blockers are dealing with uh, the defensive line and the the front seven. You know, all of those things are really, really important for a, a running back to get a feel for the game. Duke really has never gotten that opportunity uh, to really feel his way through a game, to really grind down, to really set up things, right? So, you know, if, if he gets 10 carries and most of the time he bounces this one outside or takes this one left or right, um, now he's set up a defender to expect certain things. I think running backs who don't get that opportunity often tend to struggle. But then you have places like New Orleans where they can have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram who don't really split carries, but kind of split carries. But both of them are able to kind of get in a rhythm, uh, kind of understand the defense, understand their offensive line for that game, those kind of things. I think Duke could really, really benefit for something like that. I just don't know um, you know, if he's going to be able to stay healthy. He, gets dinged, he doesn't miss games. He gets dinged up in games pretty often. Um, but I think Kansas City, Philadelphia um, would be really good places for him. I don't know about Dallas. Only because of the way they use Zeke and kind of running him into the ground. I don't know if that's a great fit for him.
2: Uh, you mentioned Kansas City, and obviously they're shopping a couple of their linebackers that Dorsey is familiar with Justin Houston and D Ford. Could you see a scenario where the Browns package Duke and maybe one of these mid round picks to Kansas City for perhaps Justin Houston? I think D Ford would be a stretch at that point.
1: Yeah, I think D4 just doesn't fit for me, to be honest. Um, one of the reasons we're hearing they want to move on from him is that they just don't see him as a hand-in-the-dirt uh, defensive lineman to their, with their transition to the 4-3. And so while you know teams are in nickel 75% of the time, and I don't want to hear uh, some of the Browns' beat talk about 4-3 versus 3-4, there is something real about whether or not a player can play with his hand in the dirt. Can he set an edge when it's a run play um, versus – you know, just rushing the passer straight from that outside linebacker position and hoping that your five technique kind of holds the edge for you. So I don't see D Ford as a fit. Houston is interesting as there was reports that they're going to release him. Don't know if that's going to be accurate because uh, obviously there's reports that the Browns are going to release Josh Gordon um, and some other players at different times. But Houston's contract is so large that unless there's a restructure there, I don't know if that's a good deal. I could see the Browns and the Chief making deals, Um, even though Dorsey left there, uh, you know, unceremoniously was dumped and lost out on that power struggle. I still could see them making deals as Dorsey likes his kind of players, and um, there's a there's a piece of arrogance to that. Um, So Duke out to Kansas City could be really interesting, uh, especially when he blows up for the first you know six, seven, eight games while uh, Kareem Hunt is suspended.
2: Um. It, well you we just talked about linebackers and obviously the browns made a move today and cut linebacker Jamie Collins um you know he' was only here a couple years was I would say consistently inconsistent um you know did the browns try to trade him or did they go to bus cook and try to restructure the deal or at this point did they just think we needed to cut him and move on
1: yeah like and obviously you tweeted it out jack um earlier. Um, I was told at, in training camp, this was his last year here. Their hope was that they could raise some kind of trade value for him, but with his contract, similar to Houston at some level, his contract just wasn't movable in a way that was beneficial. So instead they said, let's just do this cleanly. Cause one of the things we know in the NFL, it's all about relationships. And so he allowed, they allowed him to move on quickly so he could hopefully find someplace else. But Collins inconsistency was frustrating to everybody. You never knew really what he was passionate about um, and what he, whether he was focused. When he was, he was pretty amazing. Uh, at times, you know, breaking through the offensive line, tackles for loss, breaking up passes, you know, being all over the field with his speed and his long arms and everything. And then other times he looked like he was coasting or running through mud. And so he was a very frustrating player. Um, in the end, I don't really think the Browns lost out too much uh, in that trade. Uh, they took a swing on a player that uh, was exciting, had a, a great athletic profile and all of those kind of things. But beyond that, uh, they were ready to move on. Um, and he had no, he had very little trade value uh, given his contract. So instead the value was cutting him, doing him a favor so that his agent might remember that in the future.
0: You know, you look at the, the Browns gain I want to say it was around $9 million uh, back in the salary cap after cutting Jimmy Collins. Do you see, any other players uh, on this roster maybe suffering the same fate uh, in terms of salary cap uh, casualties?
1: Right now, I don't see that. I think um, Adidi talked about Zeitler almost in that way, but the reality is that's more about getting a chance for Austin Corbett and a Zeitler trade for OBJ. You know, starts to make those contracts seem a little bit better. Uh, I won't pretend to be a cap expert um, and what how that how each trade would affect. Uh, each team's salary cap, but there's a piece of that 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 would be beneficial. I would be shocked if Zeitler was still on the team, but again, not for any salary cap specific reasons, but more about getting Corbett in there and what they can get back for uh, Zeitler. Again, whether it's a player, a pick, so they can trade for a player, so they can trade up, those kind of things. Um, I do think that Dorsey uh, really likes Corbett and really wants to move forward with him on the offensive line, so... Um, moving Zeitler isn't going to be a salary cap move per se, but they will gain some salary cap most likely in something like that, unless it's for OBJ or somebody like that.
2: In in terms of free agency, uh, what positions do you think the Browns are going to be most aggressive at uh, in terms of like uh, potential? free agent targets like are they going to focus more on the like defensive front seven or do you see them going after a backup quarterback for instance maybe a running back if they move duke johnson like what positions do you think they're going to target the most
1: you know jack i think really you're we're really talking about basically the entire defense dorsey realized that defense really didn't give them the opportunity to win last year uh no matter what greg williams did And some of that's hard. Is it Greg Williams' system? Is it the players? Is it a combination of both? So I think um, everything I've heard is that he has a lot of plans to go after defensive players, which kind of makes sense, especially if they make that big splash OBJ-type trade on the offensive side of the ball. Is there a big need anywhere else on the offensive line? Running backs seem okay if they keep Duke Johnson and have Kareem Hunt coming in at some point in time. Tight end, it'd be nice to bring in another tight end, but I'm hearing that's more draft-oriented. So I don't think you're really going to look at, again, especially if they make the OBJ trade, I don't think you're going to look at much action, uh, at least on the mid to high level uh, in free agency on the offensive side of the ball. You're really going to look for almost all of your action on all three levels of the defense. Um, I think they they feel okay about where they're at with safety, uh, not that they wouldn't add somebody. Um, but John Dorsey wants to address edge rusher interior defensive line, another linebacker or four, um, and then one or two cornerbacks. Uh, We know that the Texans cornerback is coming in uh, tomorrow, uh, so we should hear some news on him. Uh, I have someone in Berea who is going to be on the ground looking out for some stuff for me. So um, I just think you're going to see a lot of attention paid to the defense, which also will be interesting. Do the Browns cut some players that fans think are good? It's been a long time besides some of those random camp invite people that we get excited about. It's been a long time since the Browns have actually cut good players um, that have actually gone on and been successful for year after year after year. Taylor Gabriel might be the last one uh, that they actually cut, not just let walk because we could list a few of those players. Um, I think you're going to see some players gone that you might be surprised by. um, But, Again, in free agency, it's really going to be the the entire defense. Um, maybe less addressing the safety position, but everywhere else, he's really been active at trying to upgrade a defense that has struggled. Because he is looking to, it looks like he really wants to build a balanced team. Because his other option would be to put even more assets towards the offense and see if they can have the offense lead them to a title, much like the Kansas City Chiefs that have been trying to do. And finding out their defense is going to fail.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately that this team is going to be able to balance itself out both on offense and on defense. And you know, this off season the, the talent on defense is definitely going to get upgraded, and uh, I think it could definitely match up uh, to the level that the offense was at uh, towards the end of last season. You uh, were at the combine uh, this past weekend, and you know it's always a, an interesting time over at the combine. What was your biggest takeaway for
1: being down there in indianapolis you know my biggest takeaway honestly was it seemed like a lot less browns noise um i think what john dorsey has really done a good job of is he actually has a lot of the people in the browns organization scared to talk and so which actually makes a lot of these obj rumors uh really interesting and and the the other part is honestly i'm really glad as Browns media, we don't have to worry about this silly quarterback draft because I don't know why Kyler Murray is all of a sudden a number one overall pick, but it looks like he is. I really like Dwayne Haskins. I'm not sure he would have been in my top three or four last year. Um, And to be honest, I'm not sure NFL evaluators are as excited about this quarterback class as it seems like the media is trying to make everybody seem to be excited. I think they're more looking at it like, well we've got to get a quarterback we've got to make these moves maybe this will work but if we see 3 four or 5 quarterbacks in the first round i wouldn't be surprised where i may only
2: have one with a first round grade uh, you know if you had to you know look into your crystal ball jared about 2 months from the draft or about 6 weeks from the draft Do you think the Browns are going defense or offense, or do you just think with Dorsey you really don't know what's going to come out of it?
1: You know, honestly, I I feel really strongly in saying that I think he will be looking at the defensive side of the ball. I think the only – now, obviously, offensive linemen are always really important, but I think really the only option that really plays out the way uh, towards the offense is if one of those tight ends, Noah Fantz, uh, or the other Iowa tight end, Hocken, whatever his name is. Um, sorry, it's been a long day. Um, if either of those guys fall, I think uh, you may see them him pull the trigger there at 18. Um, but besides that, I think you're going to be looking at defense. I also think you should expect John Dorsey to have significant interest in moving up for Ed Oliver, um, whether that is moving up you know, just a 15, 13, you know, 12 range. Um, I've heard the Dolphins are willing to move back from him. I believe it's 13. Um, I do know that he is very, very interested in Ed Oliver. Again, it's another one of those things where John Dorsey, much like uh, I, I used a, a reference in one of my articles for the OBR. We all like to look for that kind of deal. Uh, we have stores down here. Um, Ollie's is one of the stores. Bargain Hunt's another. Home Buys is another that are those discount outletters where you're like, wow, this is only this much money where it's normally this much. John Dorsey has a little bit of that in him. And so Ed Oliver was looked at as a number one or number two overall pick at the beginning of last college season. All of a sudden, if he's available there at 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever number that is, and Dorsey thinks he won't fall to 17, I would not be shocked to see him move up for a player of that caliber because he he may still see him as that number one, number two type overall pick. So I think you're going to see defense really, really going. You know, to, to piggyback
0: off, off of what you just uh, said with the, the discounts, of one, not one guy that could be moved uh, in preparation for Kyler Murray to go number one is uh, Josh Rosen from Arizona. Would you take a flyer, you know, just throw a, a third-round draft pick at Arizona, see if they'll take it, and potentially flip uh, Rosen for a, a better pick down the road?
1: You know, I wouldn't, only for a variety of reasons. One, you create kind of that media storm. Two, you present that that maybe you're hedging your bets on Baker. And honestly, three, because we are looking at that two-year window, uh, that's a little too long-term. That's a very Sashi Brown, rebuild, restart kind of thing. Um, So, you know, my biggest concern, to be very blunt, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers make that move. Because when I look at last year's draft, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. I was really hoping the Browns got one of those guys. I would not be happy if two of those three were in the division and the Ravens and the Steelers answered their long-term quarterback needs with two of my favorite guys from last year's draft. But that is uh, something that's been percolating in the back of my head because of some conversations. Um, I don't think they'll do it because it questions Big Ben's leadership. Uh, I think Rosen ends up in someplace like New York or Washington, um, but that's kind of one of those fun moves that I think Sashi Brown would absolutely have made uh, in year one, maybe even year two.
2: I think New England would definitely be a,
0: a good possibility as well.
1: Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yep. Uh,
2: last question for me, Jared. Uh, everybody's you know caught up in the draft and or and trades and free agency, but how? Is Dorsey prioritizing signing Joe Schobert and Demarius Randall to long term extensions this offseason? It's actually been really interesting. I've not heard
1: a peep about Joe Schobert. Not saying there's nothing going on there, but I've actually heard almost nothing about his contract extension. What I've heard about Demarius Randall and Rashad Higgins is those deals seem ready to get done. Whether it's the Browns, you know, need to ter- come off of a couple, you know, more million or the player's agent needs to come down a little bit. It seemed like those are two deals that are just ready to come off, whether that's with Randall sometime in training camp. Higgins I just expect to get done. Um, obviously, I don't think Brashard Perryman gets gets done. But uh, it's interesting that you bring up showbert I hadn't even thought about his contract situation, only because I've had no conversations. No one's brought it up. There's just been none of that conversation um, that really – Gives me any idea that that those conversations are going on. Um, again, it could just be my people, but it, that's a really interesting question. Does Does Dorsey even value uh, that position? Does Dorsey value what Schobert does? We know fans tend to struggle to value Joe Show, um, but Randall, I think, is is really going to be the Jarvis Landry of the defense, where he he may not be Miles Garrett kind of stud or Larry Ogunjobi kind of guy or Denzel Ward even, but he's really going to be that vocal leader, that guy that recruits, uh, the guy that's passionate about Cleveland. He loves uh, being in Cleveland. He loves that the Browns moved back to free safety, and he loves everything about the organization so far.
0: Uh, my last question is, uh, you know, the guys over at uh, Dogs by Nature were looking for questions for their podcast, and I, I asked them, would you rather sign that one big-name free agent Uh, you know, on the defensive line or linebacker or or wherever else? Or would you rather sign maybe two uh, rotational guys uh, instead of signing that one big-name
1: guy? What would you do if you were John Dorsey? You know, for me, it really would be about the big name. I like depth, but I think where the Browns currently are at, you can get kind of just another guy in some of those positions if you have, uh, you know, if you add an interior pass rusher, Uh, You know, whether that's Ed Oliver or somebody, whatever that look, you know, whatever that player is. And Dominican Sue is an interior defensive lineman. Let's pretend Grady Jarrett, they are willing to trade him for something reasonable, even though they franchise tagged him. If I can get that big guy, I think the impact that it has on the rest of the team really kind of raises the stakes for everybody else. I'm not sure if you do those middle tier guys, um, if you put other people in position to succeed. So for me at this point, for where the Browns are, Uh, with some of the the top-end talent that they have, I really would love to see them add just that one more piece uh, that could really kind of set things off and then just allow, you know, again, if that's the choice, allow some of those other guys that, you know, they're going to have to have on the team to just look better because all of a sudden the pocket is collapsing up the middle and now that third or fourth corner looks good or that second linebacker looks better. Uh, For me, it's that top-end guy. I lied. I have one more question.
0: No um, <laughs> one just came to me. So, you know, we, you have all these potential moves uh, potentially happen before free agency, you know, all the chatters out there and whatnot. How much of an impact do you think that, you know, Dorsey making a trade here or there uh, would have on uh, free agents and choosing Cleveland as their destination?
1: You know, I don't think the trade, I think an OBJ trade might intrigue somebody. Um, I think what's interesting with Dorsey is last year, every free agent move he made, he also added a draft pick basically at that same position. Um, so I don't know. I think there are going to be free agents who look at the Browns and, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball and just wonder if there's too many mouths to feed, right? If you think Antonio Callaway is going to make another step, you know, in his second year, if Rashard Higgins is back, David Njoku, Jarvis Landry. If they would make that big trade for OBJ, then you have Kareem Hunt and you have Nick Chubb and maybe you have Duke Johnson. I think offensive players will start to wonder, how am I going to get mine? And it's not like the Browns are going to be a team, even with that kind of move, that are all of a sudden Super Bowl bound, where an older vet would want to just say, okay, great, let's go. Uh, I'll go there for one year and try to make something of it. So I don't think the big trade for OBJ would really draw anybody offensively. Um, And I'm not sure a defensive player would care that much. Um, I think it would really excite people and get them talking. But I don't know if it would really have a huge impact. What I do know is Jarvis Landry and Adam Henry and Baker Mayfield are basically the reasons the Browns are willing to bring in uh, OBJ possibly and are being so aggressive. And why OBJ, with some reports, uh, wants to be in Cleveland And that's something you could never imagine about someone who seems like a New York, L.A. kind of guy with all the endorsements and the hype and the hair and all that stuff. Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, and then wide receivers coach Adam Henry are the reasons that Cleveland is interesting to one of the best wide receivers in the NFL.
2: Well, just to hear that Odell Beckham is open to come to Cleveland, I don't think like two years ago or even a year ago, that seemed fathomable. But Jared, we thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and being gracious with your time. Uh, go ahead and plug everything that's going on over at the OBR, and I've, I'll go ahead and endorse it again. The Insider uh, subscription is one of the best, and I have no problem paying 10 bucks a month for it because there's great content on that site. Uh, from Jared and Lane and everybody on that site. And you guys do a fantastic job.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, so, you know, if we're, we're at the OBR.com. Um, we're a part of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Um, you know, so our insiders, Lane Adkins has been an insider since uh, the site was called Bernie's Insiders, and we had our magazine and all that stuff. Um, and then I've just been blessed to to add some sources and have some information. Uh, but we also have Jake Burns, who also writes for Cleveland.com, uh, he went from uh, the Waiting for Next Year crew to us to Cleveland.com, and there's big things ahead for Jake. Uh, but you can see a lot of his film breakdown. Fred Greetham is our beat guy on the ground. Brandon Castell adds in uh, his pieces, uh, just analyzing things and some opinion pieces. Uh, Brent Soboleski, who is a part of Bleacher Report, uh, but originally started with the OBR, uh, is in our forums and doing a lot of draft information through the forums for our subscribers. So, you know, a lot of our content is subscriber oriented. And then we have Josh uh, Edwards, who really is making sure that Browns fans never miss out on a single piece of information. The guy is machine 24 seven, putting out uh, content to make sure nothing is ever missed. So you don't have to go anywhere else. If you don't want to, you should go some other places. I know Jack has a place that you can go um, and some other people. So, Um, but yeah, over at the OBR, really, it's all about community. It's about being in the forums. Um, and then if you're a subscriber, it's about getting information, uh, whether it's about Andrew Barry, about five days early, or even just understanding what the Browns are thinking, which I think a lot of our fans really enjoy hearing what the Browns are thinking, why they're thinking it, as well as what might happen.
0: You know, I don't know how much pull you have over there, but I would love like an OBR app and from you guys that'd be fantastic
1: i'll i'll uh, i'll shoot something up to the cbs sports guys <laughs> that, that'd, be, that'd be
0: absolutely wonderful just to have all that information in one spot just get notifications it, it would be wonderful but i know that's kind of a an expensive undertaking that's for sure
2: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well thanks again jared as always man we really appreciate it not a problem guys have a great uh
1: night hopefully we'll get some sleep and uh Hopefully we'll have some news sometime tomorrow morning. One trade, maybe even a second or third trade could start to be uh, creeping out later. We don't know, Uh, but it sounds like Mr. Dorsey, that buddy boy is on the phone. Wow uh,
0: that was definitely a, a lot of information to process uh, to go through with Jared we absolutely appreciate his time and most importantly we appreciate the information uh, that he gave us you know they have a, a page subscription over at the OBR you know Jared's gracious enough to come out with us and, and discuss some of those things uh, that they post over there we absolutely appreciate it um, you know Jack, uh, if you had to give a, a percentage on this OBJ thing, um, you know I know we're sitting at a defcon two uh, right now on our on our meter. Uh, if you had to give a percentage of it happening, what percentage would you put it at?
2: I I mean I would honestly put it at fifty fifty. He said that he thinks it's very close, and you know he said you know by Thursday we should know if we got a deal or the deal's dead. So I would honestly put it at fifty fifty, but you know, just to see what Twitter's like, just to see what you know everybody's talking about. Odell Beckham potentially joining the Browns. I mean, I mean, it has me giddy and thinking about the what the offense could potentially be like in 2019. So, I mean, whether it happens or not, it, these are fun times on social media and be able to talk about this stuff on the podcast. Uh,
0: it, it's going to be a fantastic reaction around the city uh, if the Browns can somehow land him, and you know if they could somehow land him and not give up their first round pick uh, in this draft, uh, I think things would be uh, really optimistic with uh, the potential pieces that they could add from the draft as well. And I think my biggest takeaway was, you know, the question I asked him about, um, you know, how many draft picks you think we'll have? I, I suggested that it might be around five or six. And he tend to agree with that. I think uh you know, Dorsey's going to make a lot of moves here over the next week or so before free agency starts, and uh, it's going to be a really fun and interesting time, um, you know, to cover the Browns, and obviously we're probably already counting down the days until uh, that first kickoff uh, in September. So uh, it's definitely going to be a fun off season, and the, the wild ride is just beginning. All right, Jack, before we get on out here, uh, you want to go ahead and plug everything you got going on at the North Coast Sports.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't, you know, checked out the site or heard, uh, checked out Twitter, uh, Jack Duffin of the Paul Brown International Browns podcast is now a contributor to the site. He's already laid out a couple articles, one about, you know, Kareem Hunt potentially being here for up to three years at the least. Um, he also had an episode recently where he talked about how Jarvis Landry um, was made Baker Mayfield worse when he was on the field. Uh, That was a very interesting one. Got a lot of uh, heat for that one. And he's got another one coming up talking about the potential cap situation, you know, having Baker and Miles on the roster. That'll be up, uh, I think, Thursday or Friday. So definitely check that out and all my content over at thenorthcoastsports.com. And as always, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle.
0: As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at 1085 Gridiron. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey Uh, You can find our podcast on any uh, platform that you listen to podcasts on, including iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Um, you know, once again, I just want to appreciate Jared for coming on uh, to our podcast again and, and dropping some awesome information and you know, having some good discussions about free agency and where he thinks things are going. Uh, This offseason with the Browns, all I know is that it's an exciting time. And as we get on out of here, the only thing that matters uh, to everyone here in Cleveland and uh, pretty much across the world because there's Browns backers everywhere, and that is go Browns.